The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I'm a film critic for The Rap and Bloody Disgusting, and everybody calls me Bibbs. My name is Whitney Seibold. I write reviews for IGN and other places on the internet if they'll have me. Please have him. He's really brilliant. There's a reason I've been working with him so many years. I think yeah, he's one of the best film critics in the industry. Oh, that's sweet of you to say. Well, sure. Uh, I also watch very short-lived TV programs. For funsies. Uh, for, f- for funsies and for you, our dear listeners. And uh, we got a new one this week. That's right. Uh, we we have a couple of uh, changes of pace, uh, some that are coming up yeah, uh, right away, some that are right now. There's been a, a little bit of a shake-up in the Cancel Too Soon world. Uh, first off, real fast, uh, the elephant in the room. Uh, we said Star Lost was going to be next. Uh, the Star usual Lost is long. <laughs> the Star Lost is long. We need to be better about that. We need to do better about pacing mm. that out. Uh, but we didn't want you to go without an episode, and so we have a Netflix series we've had a lot of requests for uh, that uh, is a little outside of our normal purview, and it's been interesting to discover. We'll talk about that in a minute. More to the point, and something that's going to be more relevant in the weeks to come, is we are going to do a bit of a paradigm shift here at Cancelled Too Soon. As you and, may and or that's my favorite kind of shift, right? It's it, a paradigm shift. As you may or may not know, Whitney and I host a lot of podcasts. We host critically acclaimed and the two shot over at the Schmoes No uh, podcast feed, um, and uh, we also do a bunch of exclusive stuff on Patreon. And uh, they are doing a huge reboot over at the Schmoes No mm. podcast feed. They're adding a bunch of new shows. For a long time, me and Whitney were literally the only show there, and then we had another show there, and. In that shakeup, uh, it was decided that critically acclaimed was too much like other stuff that they were doing, and so we decided to take it back for ourselves. It's all our show, and we're going to take critically acclaimed. And no, and no hard feelings. This, no, no, this, no, no, this no, is no. not like it happens. You, you jerks, how dare you kick us out? This is just a, a, the ordinary, uh, you know, yeah. co- company work. This no, is just way no animosity work here, yeah. nothing at all. And, uh, and some in, people, and in st- fact, uh, we're staying on the sh- on the Schmoes No Network uh, for at least a while. For at least a little, uh, at least a little while. Critically claimed we'll be there for an, uh, for another few weeks, mm-hmm. and the two shot will remain there uh, for the near future, at the very least. Yeah. Uh, because they've been good to us, they don't have anything like that show, and we really like that audience, and we love catering to them. But uh, by taking Critically Acclaimed back, mm. we had to decide, okay, are we going to create a whole new podcast feed just for Critically Acclaimed? And then we realized is, much like our Patreon is now the Critically Acclaimed banner, we should just make this a network. So we're going to be our own network. Yeah, this feed that you're on now, you're already subscribed to, most of you, canceled too soon. Uh, we're going to be changing the title. It's going to become the critically acclaimed network. Very simple. Cancel Too Soon is going nowhere. It is our baby. It's the same show, and it'll stay in its current form. Yeah, it's never going anywhere. We love it. It's our favorite thing. So we're going to keep doing Cancel Too Soon, but we're also going to have other programming coming onto this channel. So in addition to getting Cancel Too Soon, critically acclaimed will be in the same place. If you don't listen to that show, it's where we review new movies. Mm. It's also where we talk about uh, current events and... uh, people who in the industry maybe who had passed away and we do retrospectives of their work uh it's also been the home of our letters columns now we are going to take all of those we're going to put all the pieces here on critically acclaimed so we're going to have movie reviews you're going to have news you're going to have retrospectives you're going to have letters columns they're all going to be here much like uh, a regular network Hmm. full of programming we're consolidating We're, we're leveraging our proactive synergies to consolidate our Oh, God, I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> you can't even get through with the straight no. face. No, we can't do it. So you're saying it's proactive. It's Yeah, it's definitely pro- it's synergy. Yeah. <laughs> Something about leveraging 
I got not Look, I never yeah. worked in an office, all right? <laughs> it, made, it made sense to consolidate as many of our shows as possible yeah. into one place. Some of our content will remain exclusive on Patreon, patreon.com slash critic acclaim. Uh, and if you're already subscribed, you shouldn't have to do anything. Mm. Uh, once we change the name and the logo, nothing should change. You should be all subscribed. If, however, anyone is having trouble updating shows after the changeover in a couple of weeks, uh, we have been informed that it's as simple as unsubscribing and resubscribing, and that should clear up all yeah, any and, and, you'll, and you'll get us all. Yeah, but that, that should have, that should be a very small number of people, mm. if anybody. Yeah, so if if you find if you are one of those people and you find that you're not getting new shows, we're still making them. Oh, <laughs> we're, yeah. we're we're churning out content every day. But uh, you can contact if, us on if, Twitter yeah. at, at at Critic Acclaim. Just yeah, send us a hey at Critic Acclaim. Mm-hmm. The shows aren't coming up. Let us know. But we don't anticipate any problems. We just want to make mm-hmm. sure that there's a system in place if there are. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, the cool thing about this network is that it frees us up to do stuff that maybe isn't in the our typical milieu. Mm-hmm. And you could maybe uh, you suggest drink. we should. We should start a podcast called oh, Milieu. That's probably a good idea. And it's just an etymology podcast where we explore our favorite words. Okay, I actually kind of like that. <laughs> and I'm writing that down. We're starting with persnickety. <laughs> I'm oh, writing down Milieu the podcast. Milieu the podcast. <laughs> it's, it's not bad. But no, seriously, like if you have anything you would just like us to talk about, we can do just one-off episodes. Mm. There's a ton of new possibilities that this opens up for us that we're very, very excited about. Mm. So um, join us. There might be a few, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're going to feel it out along the way. It might be a while before we find exactly the right pattern, the right schedule, but it's a very exciting time, and we can't wait for you to join us on that. So, so join us, won't you? Was that from a thing? Is this National Geographic? Okay. You know, watch National Geographic? No, I was, I was actually just kidding. Shot Cousteau, and the Calypso is pulled into an unbelievably dangerous area. I forgot how to spell milieu, so I was distracted. <laughs> M-I-L-I-E-U, milieu. I, I kept writing, my hand kept wanting to make the U a W. Mil- so I wrote it like three that's times that's before like, I got it right. That's like mildew. No, it's not like mildew. Anyway. And anyway, that's all our official announcements. Yeah. Uh, Let's get to the fun stuff. Yeah, really fun stuff. Mm. Because uh, we're not just going to be talking about a TV show today. Today we're going to be talking about delicious treats. This is uh, the very first cooking program we've ever talked about on Cancel Too Soon. It is, isn't it? It's it's yeah. the first instructional show. Uh-huh. We've done a few documentary type shows. We done we did game, uh, show. game shows. Yeah, but we, um, I don't think we've ever done a proper... We, we haven't done a cooking program. and Even Fishing with John wasn't really about fishing. No. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this is, this is an educational show. Uh, this is a reality show, even though it does have narrative elements, and we'll talk mm-hmm. about the curious fusion it has. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it's a cooking show. We haven't done anything like this. We probably should have tried making some of these things. Oh, God, no. And oh. we'll explain why in a second. Um, nailed it. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, this is a, this is a show that aired on Netflix for one short season. And uh, Netflix didn't pick it up because they're jerks. So uh, let's. Well, they, they showed it. They showed a f- the f- first six episodes. They That's didn't, what they called for. They, but, they yeah. didn't pick up they didn't the show for it. it they didn't yeah. renew the show. Yeah. In any case, uh, let us explore the curious creations of Christine McConnell. On the top of a dark and distant mountain, there is a beautiful and talented woman who uses her unique skills to create hauntingly disturbing confections. She finds beauty in the art of darkness with each creation and shares them with us, the unusual creatures she has taken into her home. I can't remember the last time we had a normal meal around here. You think this meal is normal? That is spectacular. Uh, sugar. Once this cools down, we'll be ready to carve a face. I use royal icing in a piping bag. Oh, I get it. What part can I help with? You're a pretty little princess. Don't wait up. This is our home, and it's a place where the strange and unusual are safe and welcome. Welcome to the curious creations of Christine McConnell. I do think we should kill him. With kindness. Oh, that takes so long. Uh, Christine McConnell's a real person. Yes. Uh, she is known in in the goth community as 
sort of a DIY guru, mm-hmm. an arts and crafts uh, yeah. person. She, she makes crafts. She makes uh, you know really elaborate edible treats as well as dresses and decorations and uh, mm-hmm. mostly bakeables mm-hmm. but they're all in a they're all in like a goth milieu yeah sort of there she's yeah goth fashion goth treats very halloweeny and here's she, how to make edible spiders here's yeah. how to make edible but like they're made out of like peanuts and caramel mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. here's how to make uh your own haunted castle that's also a cake here's how to make an edible cookie ouija board yeah and uh her creations are not possible. Uh, <laughs> she like she yeah ha- make an edible Ouija board and she is like carving out and she make bakes it in front of you and gives instructions and she is talking about stuff like I had to look up what isomalt was. Mm-hmm. She just has it around her kitchen. Yeah, she has airbrushes full of edible paint. Mm-hmm. She, she, has, she has unique sculpting tools yeah, and drills. Like she, it's more about the sculpting. Like, the first thing she teaches you to build in the first episode is a peanut butter pretzel bone. Looks like a femur. Mm-hmm. So you take a and long pretzel stick, mm. and then you create a concoction of peanut butter and sugar and a few other things, mm. and it creates a kind of molding clay. And then you sculpt that clay around the pretzel stick until it's basically bone-shaped. Yeah, use and, it using like clay sculpting tools and airbrushing. And then you uh, and then you and then you scrape it away with like a potato peeler, make it all smooth. Mm. And then you put little pock marks in it because we're not OCD enough. We're gonna <laughs> go that detailed. Yeah. And then we take an airbrush full of edible food dye and then we airbrush it so that it looks more and more like a real bone and then you just eat it yeah and then you just serve it on a plate it's like well that took all day it, it, it took all day these th- like, the things she's like oh gosh when she makes the gingerbread house which is like an eight story haunted mansion with like living ghosts inside of it and you know like working doors and clear edible glass windows and flying buttresses and each individual like roof panel had to be stuck on by hand. It takes somebody like six months to make something like that. Well, even if it doesn't take you that time to to do it, to do it even remotely as well as she does mm. is will take you at least six months because you got to get really talented. Well, you, first of all, you have to have at least like several thousand dollars worth of sculpting tools and, and kitchen gadgets. I don't. I don't think like the idea is that's how much it's supposed to cost, but it feels like it. It feels like it. Yeah. It she, feels like you, it feels like it's your first day of cooking school and you accidentally walked into the grad student class. Yeah, it is unbelievably elaborate, and, at and the she end doesn't of all walk that, you through most of it. No, it's she just, just like walk and, you through and, the, the bits. Here's how I did it, and here's how you pour isomalt and make sure it dries. What is isomalt? It's like it's a sugar substitute. Mm-hmm. It's uh, like a v- this horrendously viscous looking stuff. It looks like the stuff that drips off of the alien. Yeah. In Alien 3. But it creates a nice shiny patina. Yeah, and, and yeah, it's really shiny and you wait for it to dry and it becomes this sort of like edible, shiny sugar gloss you can put over it. It's, 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 like, it's like you laminated your food, but it's edible. Yeah. Yeah. The food she makes looks fantastic. I'll bet it tastes great. uh, No, I think it tastes bland AF. Really? Because she doesn't talk at all, not once, about the quality of the ingredients. She only cares about the ingredients in so much as they can serve as sculpting media. Really? No, see, you're right about that. I just assumed that when she was leaving out things like... How to bake a cake? Mm. How to how to mix things together? Does, one of the other things she was leaving out is, and obviously, get tasty stuff. Yeah, like well, she doesn't ever comment not once on any of her baked goods how good they taste. It's only about how they look. And if you look, if you watch Martha Stewart, mm-hmm. well, it makes you feel inadequate, right? That's the point of watching Martha Stewart. I don't it think that's you, I don't think that's it, literally it the gives, point. It, why else would you watch it if not to get kitchen envy? Uh, th- that's what Martha Stewart exists for. That's what Rachel Ray exists for. Uh, when Paula Deen was on, that's why we watched Paula Deen. Uh, goths need that too. Yeah. Goths need to feel kitchen envy. Goths need to feel like their crafts aren't good enough. Yeah. They need to have sort of this aspirational figure. That's Christine McConnell. Yeah. She is the I- impossible ideal of an aspiring young goth. And and that goes beyond, by the way, uh, the creations. She is impeccably styled mm-hmm. in this, uh, you know, 1940s pinup kind of way. Uh, she wears... 
outfits, which aren't particularly like sexy or revealing, but they're very form fitting and they're very, you know, just sort of perfectly ironed and mm-hmm. the angles are exact. Uh, all, every single time she puts on glasses, it's an entirely different frame. And you're just like, oh, I want that frame. It would look <laughs> terrible on me, but I, what, a, what a gorgeous frame. Mm-hmm. Everything about her is like very meticulously designed, and that's something you want in someone whose show is based off of look how meticulously designed I am. About food design, yeah, yeah, and, and later on dress design. Uh, and yeah, at one point she teaches you how to make a dress and then some costume elements. But there's more to the show than that. If that was it. Mm. That would be fine. It would be a short conversation, though. Well, I, and you can do that. There are, um, you know, Halloween and horror episodes of stuff like Cupcake Wars and, and Great British Bake Off, whatever those cooking shows are. There's myriads of them, and there's always going to be a spooky episode where they show you how to make like fun Halloween treats. And there's so many spooky things that you can make and do. You could do an entire series of nothing but, which is there, of course what they were yeah, trying to do here. There's a several uh, season show on the Food Network. I think called, I think it's on the Food Network called Halloween Wars. There you go. It's just who can create better Halloween decorations. Great. Mm. That's great. I love that. Halloween is a cottage industry now. Halloween used to last like two weeks. Now it lasts about two and a half months. Um, Mm -hmm. You go to Michael's. Michael, I don't know how far ranging Michael's is. Michael's started putting Christmas stuff out in August. Well, that's my point. If you go to Michael's, if you're not familiar with Michael's, I'm not sure sure how how far Michael spreads. I know we have people listening all over the world. Michael's is an arts and crafts store that's um, kind of a big box arts and crafts store. It's a very Mm -hmm. large... uh, 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 buildings in which you'll find a Michaels, and they're full of uh, paints and canvases and uh, trinkets and beads and stickers and paper and mm. anything you Picture could frame, want to make yeah, stuff. Yeah. And it's great. I go to Michaels at least once every couple of months. There's always fun stuff there. Oh, but gosh, we go every other week. <laughs> well, I, I, you, have a, you have a kid. I have though. a four year old. Yeah, there's yeah. fun stuff for a kid there. But uh, what? Because they cater to the arts and crafts community, they're catering to people who aren't just decorating their homes, but people who are making stuff to sell for that. Mm. So if you're the kind of person who makes arts and crafts for a holiday, you need your arts and crafts ready long before the holiday. So Michael's has Halloween stuff up in August, if not early. We were just at Michael's the other day. It is currently like September 10th. Mm. We were at Michael's like two days ago. The Halloween stuff was already like oh, in it's, the, it's already it's Halloween sale season, items. yeah. So. But but it's Halloween season. But, but the Halloween because, stuff is already almost gone. But because, because oh, because everybody's all, already snatched it up. All the be, craft craft mongers. Yeah, because they made their crafts, and mm. by now they're selling them. And now it's the time to start making Thanksgiving stuff to sell. Mm-hmm. And within a month or so, it's going to be time to make Christmas stuff to sell. So they're always on a different timeline. Mm. Then again, some people just like this stuff all year round. Yeah, um, spooky stuff is always popular. Everyone likes spooky stuff. Spooky stuff is fun. Um, I'm I'm reaching the age where I want it to be special again. Mm. I want Halloween to contract a little. Got a little too big for its britches. Nah, I'm good. (laughs) Because Halloween, Halloween is. I love it's, Halloween. It's, it's, one, of, speci- it's one of my favorite things. It's, but. Because here's the deal with Christmas is very specific to like a time of year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's halfway through winter. That's very important. And I realize Halloween is uh, uh, in some respects a sacred holiday as well. It's mm-hmm. all Hallow's Eve. And well, not the not, dead not how we've come to celebrate it. No, then. but if you go way back, I'm, not, I'm just saying there is a tradition mm-hmm. of genuine spirituality that does come from Halloween. But as we have come to understand it in the Western tradition, Halloween is a celebration of all things spooky. Mm. And things are spooky all year round. Santa doesn't come all year round. <laughs> Jesus wasn't born all year round. Things are spooky all year round. So I'm okay with Halloween type stuff right. constantly being available. Okay. I think that's fine. I've seen a problem with it, and, and God knows I love spooky stuff. I have tons of horror movies and, <laughs> and a whole mm. giant homes of horror books and I love horror it's my favorite mm. genre okay me too okay I, I'm like just saying, I was just defending the the, sh- the Halloween from your slander uh, I, I don't, I'm not slandering Halloween okay I'm slandering the over commercialization of Halloween oh yes Christmas was ruined don't do it to Halloween too <laughs> Don't, okay. don't, don't make me sick of Halloween is my point. Here's the problem. Here's ha- the pro- of course, Halloween is, has always been more of a commercial entity anyway. Ugh, candy. But, pardon? Candy. This is all candy. Costumes for kids. You know, here's my thing, though. If you're, you're saying, like, oh, we don't want to, we want to take the commercialism mm-hmm. out of Christmas, which used to be a big hullabaloo. 
Uh-huh. And there was conservative movements to make Christmas like less commercial. We need less Christmas and convenience stores and coffee shops and everything. And now, of course, it's the exact opposite. And mm. They want it everywhere and they feel like it's bad if Christmas isn't everywhere. But whatever. There's, so the argument is there's there's too much commercialism at Christmas. You're mm. making the argument that there's too much commercialism at Halloween. And no, Halloween. I'm not we're, gonna, we're, we're reaching that point. I'm not even going to fight mm. you on that. But mm. what I will say is this. Where do we put the commercialism? Like what holiday? <laughs> if we're not going to put, if we're not going to do it for Halloween and Christmas, what do you want to do? Arbor Day? You oh. want Arbor Day commercialism? Hey, how about none? <laughs> I don't think that's possible. I think they need to do. The economy needs commercialism uh, in order I'm, to survive. I'm, I'm, that's yeah. how people. That's how people build products. I'm and... sure. I'm sure it's the economy you're concerned with. Anyway, back to Christine McConnell. Uh, the show. In addition to being a goth design uh, program Mm -hmm. that offers you completely impractical advice on how to build Halloween crafts because they're way too elaborate for the average person to take care of. Oh, yeah. It's also a sitcom. Like a kids show in a lot of ways. Uh, in like, a lot of ways, it's structured it's, like any any show mm-hmm. with a human person who tells people how to mm-hmm. how to do things, how to do arts and crafts. But then most of the supporting mm-hmm. cast is puppets. Yeah, in terms of its its structure, it's it's like Kukla, Fran, and Ollie. Just yeah. just like a through a dark mirror and filmed much more elaborately. Because Christine McConnell lives with a bunch of creatures. There is Rose, a taxidermied raccoon that mm-hmm. she brought back to life with voodoo magic before the beginning of the show. Uh, Rose also has a fork for a hand, which never stops being funny to me. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, there was uh, Rankle, which is uh, an, an ancient Egyptian cat. Mm, who was is, mummified. Yeah, so a mummy cat and is used to being worshipped and is a dick. Yeah. That's, that's just his character. Wrangle is used to being worshipped as a god, and there's a, there's a couple of cute bits when he meets someone new, and it's like, you may worship me now. Yeah. And we all know every cat is saying that anyway, mm. Luca. <laughs> uh, there's Edgar, which is a giant hairy wolfman. Mm-hmm. Full uh, size. Which, so that, that's an actor in a costume with a pup, puppeteered uh, face. Mm. Yep. There's also a creature in the basement. Oh, well, there's all, there's Millie, the squid in the fridge. Yes, who we'll never see her tentacles. She yeah. just hands uh, Christine, you know, items like, oh, I forgot the caramel. And then Millie mm. hands her the caramel or whatever. Ha ha ha. But there's also a creature in the basement whose name I forget. And the mm. creature in the basement, we I'll mostly see up. their eyes. And I think, and someone please tell me I'm right about this. I, don't, I haven't seen any interviews. To Bernard. Confirm. Bernard was the creature Bernard in the basement. Bernard is the creature in the basement. We only really see Bernard's eyes. Yeah, they they go down into the basement and they address Bernard, and then there's this close up reaction shot of just Bernard's eyes. I think it's a reference to Lucio Fulci's House by the Cemetery. It, maybe so. What what I think they're trying which is a movie to which is, makes no sense and is scary as hell. By the way, what I think they're trying to evoke is actually a show that's a lot cheaper than this. Like I, I, <laughs> I mentioned, Google Friend and Ollie. This this is supposed to be single camera static shot. With puppets just sort of popping up on the side of the screen occasionally. This, it, this it, however, is you know much more dynamically filmed and edited. It, it yeah. feels like a sitcom. Yeah, it's uh, if you're struggling to come up with an image, Mystery Science Theater three thousand. All the interstitials, mm. pretty much just one angle, people talking to the camera yeah. as if they're a person, and a bunch of puppets. That's that's the and aesthetic I, they're always like, going for. I feel like that should have been the level that the show worked at because when they, they try to turn it into a real sitcom. Like when none of the seams are showing, it becomes less interesting. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, the, it's, the puppets are, are pretty elaborate. They're a little stiff, but they were made by the Henson Company uh, out of an offshoot I had never heard of oh. called Henson Alternative. Yeah, which was, I guess, the Jim Henson's punk rock stuff. I'd love to go through that studio. That sounds cool, uh, guys. Meet the Feebles needs a sequel. I think after. Um Mm-hmm. Oh, what was that? Uh, what was that Melissa McCarthy movie that just came out like last year, with the with the puppets and the murder mystery? Oh, it was called the the Happy Time Murders. The Happy Time Murders. I think after the failure of the Happy Time Murders, I think uh, and and sadly the mm-hmm. uh, failure of the Curious Creations of Christine McConnell. I don't think too many people are shopping it around right now. That's really too bad. It really is a shame. Puppeteering is a great art. People also do not talk about it and celebrate it enough. Yeah. It it's a really wonderful way to create characters and to create. A very tactile but yet artificial world, mm. um, and I'm gonna say this right also, now. Also, the Happy Time Murders is not that bad, guys. It's not that. I mean, it's not I, great, but no. it's fine, and if, it's a really, really, really wonderful display of great puppeteering. Yeah. yeah. If nothing else, you want to say the plot is derivative and the characters are kind of just okay? I'm not gonna fight you on that. 
it's a really great mm. display of modern puppeteering. It's really cool. Mm. And it's nice to see puppeteering here in the Christine McConnell. And the characters are a little distinctive. In fact, the only character I feel doesn't really get defined well enough is Christine McConnell. Well, she's the hostess, and she was, from what I, like an Instagram or, or like an online presence. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, she was only there to ever give instruction. She she wasn't a big character. She's mm. not like an Elvira. Yeah. She, yeah, she's Elvira just... Elvira was a valley girl mm. goth. Yeah. That, was a, that, yeah. was, that was a whole stick. That was the whole character. They gave you the whole character, and she's been mm. playing it ever since, and now, it's great. Comparing anybody to Elvira is unfair, because <laughs> Elvira is a train wreck of charisma. She is wonderful. Elvira is God. Like, if you yeah. died and found out Elvira was God, wouldn't everything make sense? <laughs> she, she, uh... She's holding the basket from Basket Case, and Belial sticks his head out, and, and Velvira's holding... That's the image of God. That's... <laughs> that's what God... even me. <laughs> God is those beings. That's so weird. Uh, Christine McConnell is, yeah, is she, clearly very talented, but when it comes to, like, a persona, she hasn't, like, honed a, a on-camera persona the way that someone like well, Elvira has. She has that very calming Martha Stewart personality where she's going to walk you through these things. She's going to stay very calm and very clean. The appeal of watching somebody bake is it's like kabuki baking. Mm. You bake at home, you get hot, things fall over, things splatter, things get dirty, right? Your yeah. fingers get dirty. You mess up the first time. That doesn't happen on baking shows. Everything's perfect the first time. Yeah. It's like they put something below the, the counter and they pull something out and it's already baked. And yeah, well, I put one in four like, hours ago. Yeah, so yeah, this yeah. is what you're going to look like. And I'm just like, and, can you imagine following a baking show before you had VCRs? <laughs> like, screw DVR, just VCRs to pause it? Uh, that must have been infuriating. Like, wait, Martha, I need four hours. Well, when people were quicker with their handwriting, I think penmanship is just sort of out the window these days. That's true, but still. People would, like, sit with pads of paper and work able to transcribe pretty quickly uh, what was going on. There used to be a cooking show on Pasadena my mom listened to every Saturday, I think. Uh-huh. So like Saturdays at like 11 a.m. And she would take notes, copious notes. Yeah. Great my, show. My, my grandmother had, had a whole box of recipe cards. Yeah. Transcribed from books and from like, same thing, radio programs. Yeah. So all Christine McConnell needs to do to be a good hostess is not have a personality or a persona or something, you know, that the groundlings would think was funny. She just needs to be calm and organized and impeccable. And at that, she is great. Problem is, they keep putting her in stories and interacting with other fully realized characters. Mm. And who are trying to bring, like, they're trying to be really broad, and she's bringing the energy down. It's really super odd, actually. And sometimes it plays really, really funny. Uh, There's an episode in which one of the neighbors comes in to complain about all the noise, and the monsters kidnap them and, like, tie them up in the basement, and they're going to murder them. And you heard a little clip at the beginning when Christine McConnell finally finds out. She says, oh, you guys, we're not going to let us kill them? No, we'll kill them. With kindness. Like, that's... <laughs> oh, that takes a lot. <laughs> it's like she's their doting, like, house mother, yeah. in a way. But well, it's never like a con- it's never like a power level, though, mm. where, like, she's really punishing them. There was, like, one brief moment where it looked for a second like she was actually as dark and malevolent as all the other characters in the show. And it's when... I'm trying to remember. I think it was Rose insulted... Her cooking for a second, and then she just sort of pointedly grabbed a knife, and yeah. Rose was just like, "Oh no, but it's great! It's great! No, it's cool! It's cool. Everything's cool! I, th- I think that's enough chips." For a second, it seemed like she was a yeah. member of the Adams family, but it's like if you took the Adams family and you put um, who's the cousin from the Munsters who's all normal. Marilyn. Take Cousin Mar- Marilyn. Marilyn Monster, yeah. Take Cousin Marilyn, put her in the Addams Family, but make every episode about Cousin Marilyn. Yeah, that's that's a good analogy. It's a weird yeah. dynamic, and it just, she doesn't quite fit. Mm. She should fit. She's in this house for creepy people. She loves all these creepy monsters, and she leaves them protecting well, them, but she's, she... That's it. Here's the thing. I there, There's goth and there's goth. Um, there's the goth who goes to necromance on Melrose and <laughs> buys raven bones yeah. and makes, you know, you know, necklaces and jewelry out and you know, wears things that can actually do harm and, you know, ha- has to wear outfits that are made of real leather and need to be, you know, you need to spend three hours lacing yourself into this thing just so you can go to Disneyland and sweat through it. Uh, the people who 
read, like, not just read Poe, but are, like, really into serial killers and medical textbooks. People Mm -hmm. are really into, like, the morbid shit. Yeah. And then there's the kind of goth that Christine McConnell is. The kind of goth that you can get at Michael's. The kind of the kind of I think that's selling her a little short. She's clearly she's clearly made a lot of investment in this. She she really cares. She's very talented as a sculptor and as an artist, and I respect her to to death for that. But the true morbidity of the dark goth isn't the kind of goth she is. Well, at the very least, that's not what comes out of her show. Yeah. I, and granted, maybe it shouldn't have come out of the show. Maybe that would have been so dark it would have just been not inviting. But or, or just have a little bit more gallows humor. Look at the Adams family. Exactly. The, the Adams point. family are just an ordinary family. They're, it's just their their values are completely inverted. It, it's very very strange. If we actually think about it, the Adams family is actually probably the healthiest sitcom family in TV history in a mm. lot of ways. They really don't have a lot of problems. Occasionally, there'd be an episode where they kept secrets from each other, or but Gomez didn't trust Morticia yeah. enough to say that she was a good sculptor. But like, generally speaking, they're it's deeply more, they, in love. They they're, help each other out. The kids yeah. are smart, well behaved, and they're doing all this well, stuff. It's just they're well behaved. Well, they kill for their things, values, yeah. for their values. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, they didn't really kill that many things on the show. The the real death guess and the, the, the loved movies, ones came from yeah, the Barry yeah. Sonnenfeld. But even so, it was just a matter of the contrast, where all of a sudden. The happiest people are embracing the things that society tells you are wicked. Yeah, and I, that's I, what was really subversive when that show came out. And that's why the Adams family is great. The the, yeah. the comic, the sitcom, the movies—they they all have that that character. To, I haven't seen all the movies, like the straight to video stuff. No, and there's but, a new there's a new animated one coming out really really soon. Uh, weirdly, I'm looking forward to it, even though I probably shouldn't be. Uh, <laughs> hope for the best. Yeah, the advertising uh, campaign is pretty insufferable do. so F- far. F- but. Fingers crossed and hope for the best. But. Um, yeah, Christine McConnell doesn't have that type of inversion of ordinary values. She's just into, like, mainstream crafts. They just happen to be haunted house crafts. Mm. The puppets are trying to bring some of that morbid humor in. Let's kill him. And, you know, the, they do look a little gross. Rose especially looks a little gross. Yeah. She looks like a taxidermy dracoon. She, she looks like she, she you found her mm. in the trash. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it never gets really dark. There's a miniature arc where she meets a man in a cemetery. Mm. We should go through this episode by episode because it's six episodes. I guess so. Sure. That's easy. We'll enough. go through that. We'll um, right, so let's talk about the first episode. The first episode is called Snacks for Strays. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and the, the, it's it's an instructional show, but they have titles. Uh, and uh, the first episode is Christine. Uh, she's making her uh, white chocolate and peanut butter bones. Uh, and she is making her, uh, a cake uh, haunted house. With little werewolves in front of it, and she's making all this stuff because she has a sense, a sixth sense, if you will, that they're about to get another tenant. And the tenant turns out to be a werewolf who arrives with a note that says, Don't feed me human flesh. It, it just says, Don't don't feed me flesh. It's good advice. So they have to make him something else and they make him delicious treats. That's a, a great t shirt, just like a fake note on your t shirt that says, Don't feed me flesh. I used to have an Invader Zim shirt that said, Zim, don't use the time machine. Love, Zim. <laughs> Alas, it hasn't fit shirt. me since college. But uh, anyway, um, you used to wear. It. I've seen it. Ah, it's been a while. All right, I I knew of college at the time. Anyway, uh, but I digress. Uh, oh, so then, they yeah, so they the, make the monster stuff, and it's fine. Mm. Um, the the other animals are a little jealous of the new monster, but they're all basically fine at the end. And yeah, their personalities is uh, Rose is really overbearing, uh, kind of kind of flighty. She's mm. the leader of the group. Uh, Rankle is really arrogant. She's not really the leader. She's more the crow. I guess the so. robot. She she takes up the most space because mm. she's very outward, outgoing, and makes a lot of jokes. Yeah. And uh, Rankle is the Tom Servo, and uh, Edgar I, is Edgar is the Gypsy. Edgar is Gypsy. That's basically it. That's it's Ed, it's a solid dynamic. Edgar is kind of a dimwit, is the yeah. thing. Uh, the next up, we had gifts for nosy neighbors. Uh, and in this one, one of her neighbors comes in and he's very complaining about the noise. And Christine's like, oh, that's a shame. You sh- it's a shame that you haven't been able to sleep. Uh, I'm going to make you some treats. And then while she is busy making treats all day, uh, the animals are torturing him to death in the basement. Mm. There's a joke that they keep coming back to over and over again. And alas, the show, the pacing and like the way that they edit the scenes together don't sell this gag. But whenever Christine McConnell starts talking about how to actually make things, she starts breaking the fourth wall and talking to the audience. Mm-hmm. The animals look at her. It's like she's doing it again. Like she, yeah, she's, who's she talking to? She's she's giving instruction to the camera, but 
they are unaware that she's being filmed. What you need is a cam bot. You do. You know, it's like like oh, and a magic get, mirror, which ma- they have magic, a magic mirror or um or a beholder. Yeah, like oh, that from, from Dungeons and Dragons, like uh, all those big eyeball monsters. There's one of my favorite one where they almost sell it like in a way that's funny mm. is when she's doing her whole. Okay, so you want to take a, a a drill and you can get this at any sort of craft store, mm. but the angle isn't directly on her. It's like looking at the at the hallway next to her, mm. so she's just looking off to the left of the screen. Really weird. Mm. For a moment, it almost worked, but that joke never quite lands because the joke. The, the sense of humor and the character on the show is so lax anyway. Yeah. It's not very rigid, so by breaking well, the is, rules, it feels like you're doing something a little rebellious and naughty. I, I guess that's the, the, the big problem. So this is a combination instructional show sitcom, but it's a sitcom with a, an instructional show embedded inside of it. Yes. It should have been the other way around. It should have been... Welcome to my show. I'm Christine McConnell, live studio audience, and there just happen to be morbid death puppets in the studio with her. I think that probably would have been a better yeah. way to go. I'll bet you anything they tried, like, at least in the development phase, they tried every different yeah. permutation and, of that. And this is much more ambitious, and yeah. that's probably why they went with this structure, but it doesn't function that well. No, not really. I, I think you're right. I, mm. think if the, uh, I think if the monsters just broke up the monotony of a typical yeah, show. They, if you they played need, it like the Muppet show, yeah, they but the Muppets were all the, evil and the, the they always had the same host. They and, need to yeah. be the, the peanut gallery, the ones offering yeah. color commentary to this relatively square cooking instructor. Yeah. Um, but in this one, she teaches you how to make uh, like your own like hand-carved candles. Uh, she was so shy about, well, I'm not much of a candle maker, but here's something that takes 18 hours and is perfect. <laughs> Uh, the next episode is called The Dinner Date, and here is where we meet uh, her love interest, mm. a guy named Norman, who seems perfectly normal. Norman? Norman? Yeah, yeah no, I get it. Mm. I think everyone, does everyone get it? It's like in Psycho. Okay, mm. we're good. Uh, he meets her at a cemetery. She went to visit her grandmother, and she dressed up all in red, and then her grandmother is dead, but she's still like... A hand. She, yeah. Her hand's coming out of the ground and, and taking the cookies. cookies and treats, yeah. That's actually pretty fun. I actually mm. thought that was a cute little bit, but she meets a cute guy. And she invites him over. Of course, the animals are all ready to kill him. But it turns out the animals really like him, too. Mm. Except he smells of really fresh human blood. (laughs) Which is great. And uh, the the dinner she makes for him is a sculpted chicken pot pie. That looks like an actual chicken. That looks like an actual chicken. Nothing morbid about it. It's just elaborate. Uh, Honestly, honestly, of all the things she had to do, I mean, the sculpting might be difficult, but that's one of the easier things to do. It's it's a chicken pot pie. Instead of just laying a a pie crust flat on it, just carve it up into little feathers and make Mm. a chicken head. People do that. I've, that yeah, that's not crazy. That, I mean, that's that's easy enough to do. That, that's something you can do. And uh, it looked tasty. And Norman gets a little bit uh, a little bit creepy when he's wielding the knife over the chicken. Mm-hmm. Uh, she also needs to make a dress for this date, so she teaches you how to make a dress. And she needs a little bit of love advice, so she looks in her magic mirror, and there is the ghost of Dita Von Teese living Yay! in the mirror, uh, uh, acclaimed like the a- world's most famous stripper. Oh, BDSM. Uh, go- uh, goth model. Yeah. Uh, yeah she, it she, girl, if you will. It woman. I don't yeah. know. Uh, uh, one she, of the great had, goth icons of our time. She she headlined the crazy horse in Paris. She's incredibly well known. She's one of the most beautiful women of all time. She's in her 50s and looks like she's 20. Oh, my God. You ne- I never yeah. would have guessed. She looks amazing. Mm. So, yeah. And it may make sense that she's on this show. She doesn't really get a lot to do. Do until the last episode, and even then, not much. She gets to make like romantic entendres, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's nice to have her on board. Honestly, mm-hmm. I wish she'd been in more episodes. She's only in like three of them. Excuse me, she's not fifty yet. She's only forty-six, but still, still, <laughs> she looks like she's twenty-five. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a and, cute and little she, episode, and she's she, married to Marilyn Manson briefly for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, next up we have a spirited tea party. Um, here we have actually one of the cooler looking things she's done, which is an edible Ouija board. Yeah. And she shows you, like, oh, this is easy enough. You just make a flat cookie. I'm like, I'm with you so far, Christine. Don't make it overly complicated. I can make a big flat cookie, yeah. Yeah, okay, I'm with you so far. Now all you got to do is uh, do this complicated, like, eight-hour piece of alchemy, and then you're going to need to get your airbrush and Mm. uh, your calligraphy skills. I assume you went to calligraphy school. And just going to draw everything Mm. on a Ouija board so it looks completely professional. And then we're just going to use an airbrush and just sort of lightly shade it in a way that only someone who went to art school could know how to do. like really accurate wood grain and then she whips out the iso malt <laughs> goddamn iso malt 
I had no idea what the F that stuff was. I had to look it up. I think she invented it. She's all, she also talks about royal icing a lot. To a lot the point, of royal icing. To the point where the, the puppets even comment on it. It's like, like and I'm going to get some royal icing. Do you own stock in royal icing? <laughs> Which, honestly, by that point, we she she deserved... Yeah, not because it's bad. Royal icing is fine, and it's an important ingredient in that kind of in that kind of baking. Mm. But once you, it's like us and the word milieu. We use it so often. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> we There's got to be better words for that. <laughs> we get nickel every time we say it. <laughs> um, we should copyright the, the word. <laughs> Uh, but in the plot of the episode is Christine's cousin arrives, and Christine's cousin is um, actually she made me realize who I think Christine McConnell is kind of going for. Hmm. Because Christine McConnell's cousin is a woman who marries people for money and then kills them, and she's gonna she's kill a, Christine McConnell and uh, take the family will and mm. steal, take all the money. And Turns, she's she's played by the same actress who plays the voice of Rose. Yeah, uh, and in, and in the end of the episode, uh, the cousin uh, finds out that Christine took all the money and gave it away. Which she's again such a isn't decent that, person. Isn't that wicked? It's so weird. It didn't even like give it away. She gave it away to a leper colony, which is like I feel like you should give it away to like the retirement home for mummies or something. I, or you know, oh wait, we we had a money money eating monster in the back, so I just fed it like that sort of thing. Something like that. It just it it doesn't quite fit the character. But um, as I was watching this, you know, a Black Widow character uh, that they had. I realized who I think Christine McConnell was going for. I think she's going for Joan Cusack and Adam's Family Values. But Joan Cusack and Adam's Family Values was was the Black Widow character. I know it's like she was evil, and she, she, but she had so, that aesthetics. It's like I, all these like you you stole Fester and you brainwashed him and you made him turn on his family. All of this I could forgive, but Debbie. Pastels. <laughs> Christine McConnell is like the, well, the and, goth person who but, likes pastels. But Joan, Joan Cusack's character was also like a murderous monster. Exactly. She, she wanted That's to what's kill, missing. Yeah. The edge is missing. Christine McConnell doesn't have it's an like, edge. You don't look, feel like she'd look, kill me. She's like, look at this ring. It's like, oh, didn't we bury Grandma with that ring? And she just holds up a shovel. <laughs> like, that's that's, yeah. a, that's what I wanted more from. I feel I wanted Christine McConnell herself uh-huh. to feel a little edgier. Yeah. There's and no, she never... There's really no edge to this at all. I, it makes you wonder why all of these like animals. I mean, yeah, she brought them back to life. Why aren't they trying to kill her? Mm-hmm. Like she's hold, she's the one holding them back. I mean, she's great. I like her. I would love to hang out with her, and I'd love to eat all her treats. But like, I, I'm sure she's a wonderful human being. But she doesn't really fit in the dynamic of the show. And if she was a little bit more aggressive, or if we saw at least once in a while that she had a really twisted side. But yeah, that's what I was talking about. Just once it's, in a while. Just once in a while. There's your dark goth and there's your friendly goth. And yeah. she is friendlier than even the friendliest of goths. Mm-hmm. Uh, the so next... the, the, there, in fact, there needs to be a different word for it. Mm. Like, we use goth, but goth now incorporates, like, so many different levels of aesthetic. Like, just kids who go to Disneyland and buy Nightmare Before Christmas fingerless gloves now consider themselves goth. Yeah. I think we need a, a different term for that sort of thing. I don't know. I'm not mm. going to figure it out tonight. Mm. Uh, so the, uh, anyway, uh, the cousin gets what's coming to her. She gets sent to an asylum. Bob's your uncle. We're done. Two more episodes. Uh, the next episode is called A Cake for Rose. It is Rose's birthday. And uh, as with all surprise birthday parties, the trick is to make the person you're planning a surprise birthday party feel completely unloved. Yeah, leave the house. Go away, we don't like you here. Okay, now we can start working on their surprise party because we love them so much. Well, then why did you treat them like such garbage? I never understood why that was part of it. And every single, usually kids show, mm. like the the like the second live action Smurfs movie begins this way, where it's just like, oh, yes, it's uh, Smurfette's birthday. Well, we're going to all make her a big cake, but nobody tell her. In fact, and we're going to pretend forgot. we forgot her birthday and yeah, make like, her feel like crap. And so she feels so much like crap that she runs away and that's where all the where all the problems start. And I'm just like, it's got to be a better way. Mm. And here's the trick. Here's the trick. Simple trick. To surprising someone. It's a surprise birthday party that doesn't make them feel like crap. Mm. You surprise them a day or two before their birthday. <laughs> that's it. It's not their birthday and they feel like no one cares. It's they weren't expecting it a couple of days before their birthday. Better yet, do three months ahead of their birthday. (laughs) Well, that's just a surprise party, but whatever. Um, (laughs) Dimitri Martin had a great bit about hide hide in their house for about a month. Dimitri Martin had a great bit about uh, Mm. surprise birthday parties and like, what if like you just yell someone and say surprise and like you emerge from behind my furniture. 
you don't need to tell me how to feel. Mm. But like, what if they tried to make you feel other things? So they just yelled out, confidence! <laughs> and then the rest of the night, were you, were you really confident? <laughs> I was so confident. Were you confident? I was confident. Um, so Rose thinks everyone hates him, and she's planning to burn down the house, which is kind of funny. When Rose gets on a tear and starts sounding a little drunk, she's funny. Yeah. When she's just sort of con- conversing, mm. yeah, she doesn't have much to do. She's she's better when she's an instrument of chaos. Yeah, uh, Rankle is better when Rankle is an egomaniac who thinks people should be worshiping him. Edgar is better when he's a little threatening. I think everyone's better when they have a little edge on them. Uh, what was this is actually the grossest thing Christine McConnell makes in this one? Oh, it's it's a cake in the shape of Rose, so uh-huh. it's a dead raccoon cake. With its its heart exposed. Yeah, the whole body of this raccoon is a gaping red cavity with a really, like, accurate heart inside that is edible. Mm. And it's not like you pull it apart. Like, no, it's just right there. It looks like a crime scene. I give her a lot of credit for that one. That is some mm. creepy stuff to the extent that I, I actually might have lost my appetite if I saw it. Oh, that'd be great. I'd, I'd dig right into that thing. In fact, that's kind of what I miss. There were a few instances where she showed you sort of the, this thing that she had made, but she just sort of shows it to you. And we did get to see her make it out of food items. But if she were to just show me that thing and say, this is food, I'd have to take her word for it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's such an elaborate sculpture and it's been made to look like not food. Mm-hmm. That I wouldn't be, I wouldn't think to eat it. You need people and eating what, it and making yummy noises. Exactly. I need. Well, I, what I need to see is that food porn camera close-ups of like a cake being sliced and it's being slowly oh, lifted yeah. out, and you get to see like the icing dripping or the soft cake pulling away. I, there were no shots like that. In fact, there were a few really maddening shots where they cut into food off camera. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, now we're going to take a slice. And they cut to, like, just a mid-chest shot where the food was off screen. And they just mime cutting into it. It's like, no, I want to see what that food looks like. What, yeah. what if I want to eat that? Like, there's a bit and where she I re- makes, And she... it was then I realized this isn't food to be eaten. It's just, mm. it's an art class well, we, where food is the medium. We see her eating the candy bones from the first episode. Mm. And it looks like she's enjoying them. But I'm like, you know what? I want to see what's in the middle. Yeah. I want to see how it looks like I want to see the, the cross through. section. I want to see somebody yeah. snapping it. I want to see, you know, in slow motion even, where like crumbs fly everywhere. It should make it look like a TV commercial, frankly. Yeah. No, it should so, look like so food you, let, Yeah, let me... If I feel like I can eat that thing, I'm going to be more moved to make it. And I, if you're trying to move airbrushes with edible paint inside and isomalt, yeah, if that if like you're in the pocket of big isomalt, then then you know make it look more appetizing. They should have got, or at the very least, they should have studied mm. uh, the TV series Hannibal. They should have got the crew who shot that because mm. Hannibal had a oh, very good a it's meticulously designed because it's Hannibal Lecter's world and people are like yeah. you know seeing how meticulous and perfect it is. But the way that they shoot food, even food that we know is supposed to be unappetizing because it's people, they shoot it like a glamorous mm. like perfume commercial. They know yeah. and they, that this is super important. We need to Fetishize and they it. and they choose really exotic ingredients. Like here's some sage that grows on the underside of a rhinoceros, rubbed on an elk <laughs> corpse. And you open it up, and live magpies fly out, and that the, their struggle makes it more delicious. You know, he's. <laughs> You're, they're, they're really trying. You're to, doing more of a Bella Lugosi version, but fair enough. Well, okay, fine, but you know that, that's they do deal with like big exotic ingredients, so it gets your imagination inflamed. Yeah. I, I'm a big fan of the show Chopped. I know uh, it's it's a cooking game show. They give uh, professional chefs random ingredients in a basket, and they have a finite amount of time to make a meal out of these bizarre ingredients that they've just been introduced to. And you're watching that, and you know I don't necessarily have access to durian. Or, you know, certain kinds of exotic fish or truffles. But watching the chefs do that and the way they shoot the food and the way they sort of talk about how they're preparing it, even on the fly in a game show context, gets your imagination going. And you can go into your own kitchen and say, well, I have baking soda and capers. Let's see. What can I make? (laughs) A pile of baking soda and capers. It's delicious. (laughs) So here it is. Yeah, it's funny. Um, <laughs> what did you make? Well, there wasn't much in the kitchen, so here it is. Muffins made entirely of dillweed. I uh, I don't watch a lot of cooking shows. I watch the Great British Baking Show, mm-hmm. which I consider the most suspenseful show on television. <laughs> uh, been, I, you've seen Iron Chef, right? A little bit. Yeah. It's, not, it's not super into it. Like I, uh, 
the Great British Baking Show is great because everyone's super polite and nice, mm-hmm. but the suspense is interminable. They really know how to milk it. Like if someone actually drops <laughs> well, something, are- I I almost had a heart attack once. Like Michelle actually had to pause the show. <laughs> calm down. Like calm down. Are you good? We need to we need to finish this tomorrow. I'm like I think we do. They dropped a wire whisk. You're okay. But then every once in a while I'll watch like another show. There's a show I, I've watched a bit of like we just watched a few episodes in a row called Cooking on High mm-hmm. and it's a weed cooking show. Okay. Like how, how to incorporate weed into various dishes, right? I, I don't think it's necessarily the most important thing. I think mm-hmm. what happens is they I think they incorporate some weed into it, but basically they get two judges, maybe three, they get them really high. Okay. And then they get these, like... Doug, Doug Benson, Kevin Smith, and Cheech Marin. Scale it back. Oh, oh, <laughs> scale sorry. it way back. Comedian you may have seen once on an episode of something. Okay. And uh, they get two cooks to make them a similar dish. So it's sandwich day or salad day or something. And they have, like, 20 minutes to make it, like, right in front of them. And then these two people who are baked out of their goddamn minds just take a bite and go, Oh, this is the best thing ever. I'm going to give it 8 million stars. Oh, I don't know. This one's also really going to give it 8 million and a half stars. (laughs) This is dryerland with salt on it. I know. It's great. Like, I don't trust their opinion. Like, (laughs) you've got the munchies, damn it. Like, you're going to love anything right now. Here's a bowl of pretzel sticks. That's perfect. How did you know? <laughs> Here's a burrito that I baked in the it's microwave just, like an hour ago. That's perfect. There's just no stakes to it. Mm. The best cooking show ever, though, is actually an anime series called Food Wars. Uh, you've talked about Food Wars before. I love Food Wars so much. And there's like another season that's coming out soon. I'm super excited mm. because the last season ended in the middle of a cooking battle. And now I don't know who's going to win because the fascists had taken over this big Japanese cooking school, and the only way to defeat them was by cooking better yeah. than them. And so, like, who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. Are they going to cook so hard that people orgasm again? Because it happens every episode, and it's great. That's really funny. Uh, but we got off track. There's one what, more episode of Christine McConnell. What, what I was going to the point I was going to make before you had a went, point. Yeah, is that when you're watching Chopped, your imagination is going. When you're watching Christine McConnell. You're not moved to make that stuff. Mm. You, you're just sort of watching her do this stuff really passively. Unless you're already mm-hmm. super deep into crafts. Yeah. Then you And you already have a lot of that stuff around. You might be inspired by what she's doing. There has to be something. I'm curious, though. Because mm. like, there's at least two or three things every episode mm. uh, that she teaches you how to make. Mostly food. Yeah. The, of all the things, what's the thing you would be most likely to actually try? There's got to be something. Hmm. Well, she tried to make a gingerbread house. Mm-hmm. I want to try making those windows. That's all. Okay. Not not the whole mansion because I, I don't have the time for that sort of thing. Just the clear sugar. The, the clear candy. sugar glass is something I would want to try. Like you cool. you lay it out on some some uh, baking sheet, you bake it flat, and then yeah, you can pour this like hardening kind of sugar substance that looks like glass, and then if you have a creme brulee torch, mm-hmm. uh, you can kind of stipple it a little bit, and it looks like stained glass. That's cool. I might want to try something like that. I really liked, uh, she had, I think it was in the last episode, which I haven't mm. gotten to yet, uh, she taught you how to make a brown, edible brown recluse spiders. Yeah, which is two nuts and caramel. Yeah, it's pretty easy. So it's like a big macadamia nut for the back of the spider mm. and half a peanut for the front of the spider. And then connecting in the middle and making all the legs where I think were just these little spindly bits of caramel mm. that you roll and you like make them all sharp and, you know, and, um, that looked easy enough. I'm sure it was tasty. Those, all those ingredients are good. Um, I I know if I tried that, I know what those things would look like. They'd look like melting little globs of nothing. <laughs> well, um, you have no air conditioning in your apartment. I think any, everything melts in your apartment. That's true. So yeah, you have to have a perfectly air conditioned. Uh, like it has to be 67 degrees in your kitchen for those things to work. Oh, God, I would kill for that. <clears throat> Anyway, uh, the last episode of Christine McConnell is Halloween Tricks and Treats. It's the Halloween episode. Uh, and of, so I guess they're all kind of the Halloween episode. But this one's very right? specifically the Halloween episode, and everyone awakens to find out that Christine has, in the middle of the night, decked out the entire house for Halloween, which I assume is different than other days because reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's created a bunch of stuff, like how to make uh, shrunken heads out of cookies, which actually look really cool. Mm-hmm. Like, those are really neat. I kind of want to try one of those. Um, and... Uh, then it's also the one day of the year when Dita Von Teese gets to leave the magic mirror and go out on dates. She's met by her her lover as a bullet hole in his head. And, and she's, she's got, got bull- three bullet holes in her back, it turns out. Yeah, that, which is nice. And a little bit of, little bit hmm. of uh, genuine macabre hmm. uh, for once. 
Um, the boyfriend shows up again, and they are all once again attacked by, uh, surprise, her cousin's back, but it all turns out okay. Uh, well, Rose dies, but then she comes back. Yeah, they have to resurrect Rose once again, mm. I forgot about it. Like, Rose, didn't Rose, like, take a bullet for her or something? So, something like that, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to remember, it's a little hazy, because it's not really... Like, oh no, Rose, you're dead. Well, but you're a taxidermied animal, I'm actually so surprised that that killed you, but anyway... Mm. And that's that. That's mm. the Curious Adventures of Christine McConnell. Uh, the show uh, debuted on Netflix on uh, October 12th, 2018, to no fanfare whatsoever. In well, fact, that's, I, that's sort of the Netflix model, isn't it? Well, it is. But yeah. the trick, though, is that, you know, if you want to survive on something like Netflix, you have to make an impression. And not only did they do no advertising for this whatsoever, and a lot of people I know didn't even hear about it until it been out for a couple of weeks, myself included. Mm-hmm. But they also re- so what's the market for the show? People who like spooky stuff, spooky stuff, and craft people. And okay. there's a lot of craft pe- thanks to Etsy. Yeah, there's a lot of craft people. And there's the a ton of craft shows out there, and a lot of them are really, really <coughs> great. Uh, but if you're going for the spooky market, again, it's mm-hmm. October, a lot of Halloween stuff. You know what you don't want to debut on the same day ho- uh, House on Haunted Hill debuts. On Netflix, which oh, was this gosh. big A plus. I, I remember when I, they advertised that. Yeah, one. people yeah. were binging that shit. I still never finished it. That's not a slight to the show. It looked really great. I just have to watch a lot of stuff for work. Mm-hmm. But it was like a, an event. It was mm-hmm. event programming, and people binged the entire show. You know what? They didn't have time to do that that weekend. Watch anything else. <laughs> Huge mistake. They really should have staggered that. Mm-hmm. Like that, that really shot Christine McConnell on the foot. Like we have issues with the show. Mm. There's really nothing wrong with it. I mean, there, there, we have critiques, but there's nothing. It's not like it's a bad show. I mean, it, it does. It's a, a little lightweight. Christine McConnell is is not. We're, we've been complaining that just the sense of humor in general is not dark enough, mm-hmm. for at least for our taste. But yeah, you know, that makes it okay for kids. A cooking shows should be acceptable for kids it, anyway. It, it's pretty. It's got a little um, bit of novelty. It's fun to look at. The crafts are indeed impressive to see. They're impressive to see. They're yeah. This is not practical advice. She's actually not really educating you on anything I know. in particular. I that that pisses me off and I think if the show had been a hit I think it's like Great British Baking Show eventually did like a spin-off where they actually showed you how to make the stuff because mm-hmm. mostly you're just watching other people make it and in some cases figure out how to make yeah. it because there's whole challenges where they have to make something blind when they've never seen the recipe before and don't even know what it's supposed to look like mm-hmm. uh here, I feel like we needed a supplemental show where she actually seriously took you through every stage. Yeah, like, like every like here's super how to make idiots, the, Christine the McConnell. Spider web. Here's where you. Here's some places where you can get these cookie cutters that mm-hmm. I use. Here's, here's how to get gingerbread to be like flat and stiff. You have to use these types of ingredients. Mm-hmm. Here's how these taste. This this does doesn't taste as good, but it's better for building. Mm-hmm. The nitty gritty of it, like really hmm. seriously, assume we're idiots. <laughs> That's how you teach. It's like, and yeah, uh, there'll be people who will be like, who like already know this shit. They have a fast forward button. What we do not have here in the remedial class is a uh, insert extra chapters button to tell us all the stuff you're not telling us. Yeah, yeah. Um, even even like Gordon Ramsay, you know, he's better known for like yelling at people and insulting people and being angry. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also a very talented chef. He knows how to make stuff. Mm, he's got a lot of great videos mm. on YouTube. That's just yeah. In three minutes, here's how to make a good steak. Yeah, t- I use that all the time. Uh, uh, my wife can make much better scrambled eggs now. Yeah, thanks to Gordon Ramsay because he t- teaches the, teaches you these little tricks it's on how to remedial. make things lighter mm. or fluffier. Like, there's actually an instructional element to the Gordon Ramsay franchise. It's not just him being mean. Mm-hmm. I'm. What we see Christine McConnell do. I think is just all she's got, but I think uh, the producers assumed audiences would be bored by that nitty gritty stuff, like how to sculpt an eyeball or what ingredients mm-hmm. you need to use. I want to see her out in the world. Yeah. I want to see an actual documentary program of her shopping for this stuff, mm-hmm. and I want to see her at, like it, well, like TV version, but an actual kitchen where she's actually baking this stuff. I want to see how difficult it is. I want to see something fail once and then another try. Mm-hmm. At least, like, if only because Rose breaks it. I don't care. Like, you have an excuse. Like, you've got, like, reasons. Mm. There's, yeah. there's external reasons to do things. Mm. I know you want, like, a documentary. I actually really think your idea of treating it like The Muppet Show mm. is the way to go. I think what you do is, in season two, Rose has her own show. Not Rose's show. Christine, Christine has her own, has own show. show. And, of course, all of her monsters want in on the action because, all, of course, yeah. they do. First episode, she gets a show. That's the whole season. 
And right a, there, she a, gets a, a shout. Bum, a, boom. One scene, we've got, we're set it up. And occasion, like they're the peanut gallery. They get to comment on everything that's going on. It's just like a single camera type show. You hear mm-hmm. the, the studio audience. Maybe occasionally you'll cut back to like a producer watching. Mm-hmm. Saying, is that a real monster? We should Did have that a, guy really die? We should yeah. have a producer. Well, we, another thing this show needs is a more consistent conflict. Like in the second episode when we introduced the fact that our neighbors are way more stuck up. Mm. Like like the Adams Family Neighbors, for example, in the movies. Uh, I thought that was going to be a consistent source of at least mild dramatic tension. Yeah. Is she going to get kicked out of the neighborhood? Mm. Are they? Is she going to win them over? They kind of forget about that. Like, yeah. that should be every episode. There should be, like, one person, at the very least, who represents someone who thinks this stuff is weird. Mm. And I think if even if you just have, like, a producer who doesn't understand the appeal of this show and wants it canceled... But, like, his nephew is, like, producing it and thinks it's a big deal. Maybe he's, like, right. a new love interest for Christine. You've got a show. Mm-hmm. You just need someone there to say, no, bad, get their comeuppance at the end. Mm. That's it. That's all you need. It's simple. And I really do think all the ingredients are here. And, ironically, they're just not, like, sculpted together very well mm. to make, like, a really good show. So, yeah. uh, so was it canceled too soon? I'm torn because I think with just a tiny little tweak, you don't need to change anything. You just introduce a new element in season two. Mm. You got a good show. Yeah. So I'm actually going to say it was was canceled too soon because I do think very easy to fix the show's problems. I think it needs kind of a a whole rework. Now, the idea of the puppets, Christine McConnell having her own show, I support all of that. I think they can start another show. I don't need to see Christine McConnell's Curious Creations in this sitcom format anymore. Well, I think you can do that within the same show, though. I think you just have, like, one scene to explain what happened, and then, boom, from now on, we're doing this slightly different version with the same character. Or just uh, start a new show. <laughs> well, know? whatever, but like I'm yeah. saying, I don't think you needed to cancel it to get there. Well, they already did. Well, they already <laughs> did. My, we're deciding mm. if it was canceled too soon mm. or not. So what I'm I, saying I, is... I, I say no, but I think... They they have a lot of great stuff in here, and you know, keep the characters, keep the same puppets. You built those puppets, use them again. Yeah, uh, like I said, they're a little stiff. Rearticulate them a little bit, make them a little bit more dynamic. The the cat jaw was really distracting. The cat the cat was the fakest of all the puppets. Yeah, yeah. good good character, but not the not yeah. the most articulate puppet. Mm. It, it, it helped. That, it doesn't help that unlike the other ones, there's no like fur to smooth over the creases yeah, on the cat yeah. puppet. So maybe it should have been more mummified. Maybe that would have helped. Well, the puppets are all... Um, they're not hand puppets or rod puppets. They're all animatronic. Mm. Like, the Rose, they're all being held underneath uh, the stage. Yeah. But none of them have human hands or digits inside of them. Mm. Well, I think the, the, the werewolf is a person, but other than... The, well, the werewolf yeah, is a person, but yeah, the yeah. face is, is automated. Near as I can tell, yeah. Um... In fact, the, there was one actor in the suit, and then the person who was doing the voice and the articulation was off stage with sort of an, an automated, uh, like I don't know what they're called in puppetry, but yeah, there's sort of like an automated hand manipulator that you can use to control uh-huh. faces remotely. That's usually how that works. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think it would have helped if they redesigned the puppets to be a little bit more like puppets, where they moved like human hands. So that wouldn't have looked as realistic, but it would have looked a lot more uh, approachable, a lot more humane, a lot more human. Would have given the puppets a lot more personality. Yeah, yeah, I'm not so, gonna fight you on that. I, so I'm, I'm I, don't think, I don't think it's a deal breaker. But there's I a, a, a lot of things that need to be redesigned for this to work to the point where let's just make another show, guys. Let's just mm. throw this out, keep the three or four things that worked, and then move forward with a new program. All right. So could, basically, could, we're we're saying the same thing. Mm. I think you can do it within the same program, and you think it needs to just be called something else. Well, because I don't want it to be a sitcom. I don't want to, any. Well, of those it doesn't need to be a sitcom. But you can just change the way a, shows have done that before, mm. where they've changed the construction halfway through or early on. They it's like um, Dark Shadows didn't know it was a vampire show until episode one hundred. Okay. Because it was a because it was a soap opera. So. Right. It took a little time to find its footing. Uh, Angel that, that became show. a legal show in its last season, and it was better for it. But th- th- that stayed within sort of a fictional universe. What yeah. I'm saying is I don't want a fictional show. Right. I want a, a documentary program yeah. with like puppets and fictional elements. And that's not the show. Right, and you enough. can't reboot it that way, because that would be a complete change of format. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Mm. Well, uh, okay, so we disagree slightly, but we do think there's good stuff here that's salvageable. Yeah. Mm. Um, all right, well, anyway, that's uh, that's it for Cancel Too Soon. 
thank you everybody for listening. Curious Adventures, uh, sorry, The Curious Creations of Christine McConnell is still available on Netflix. And uh, with Halloween coming up, it might be a fun little uh, uh, spooky binge. You can get through the whole series in a couple hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so we'll be back next week with a review, long overdue, of The Star Lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we got some other cool uh, things coming up in September. Also, stick around on our Patreon page. All of our patrons, even at the $1 uh, stage, get to vote for future episodes. Uh, we're going to have you vote for every Halloween-themed episode we do in October. Hmm. Uh, we haven't finalized what the polls are going to be, but every October we do nothing but Halloween-themed episodes, horror shows, something similar. Christine McConnell actually would have been perfect for it, but what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so we're going to give you nothing but polls you can decide every single piece of content that we run on Cancel Too Soon in October. And once again, stick around because here at the Cancel Too Soon uh, channel, we're going to be changing the name. We're going to be adding a ton of new content in addition to Cancel Too Soon. Again, Cancel Too Soon is going nowhere uh, in a good way. It's going nowhere in a good way. Like, it's staying put because we love it. It's not not like, oh, the show's going nowhere. No, like, it's it's just staying here. Yeah. I realized how weird that sounded after I said it. Um, And, uh, yeah, so, uh, again, we want to give a special thank you. Thank thank you out. Thank you. Shout you. Sure, thank you out. That's a new thing. As a thank you out and a shout you to all of uh, all of our Patreon subscribers. Mm-hmm. Patreon.com slash critic acclaim. We could not be doing this without you, and that is not an exaggeration. Mm-hmm. So we just want to say thank you. Um, and of course, we're on Twitter. Uh, I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess that's a wrap. We'll see you next season. Mm-hmm.